Hey everyone, how's it going? And welcome back to the show. So good to have you here because folks, this one is a big one. This one is really, really fun for me because I get to talk to the creator of one of my all-time favorite webcomics. Enjoy the show, which you can only find on the Tapas app. If you don't know, now you know. Get this app. It's totally free. You get access to hundreds of really cool webcomics, uh, romance, horror, action, comedy, you name it, they've got it. And right now, the creator of Enjoy the Show, Jenna Ashton, joins me. She is the, the writer, the artist, the social media magnate. She is the merch person. She's the everything. Welcome to the show. It's so cool to have you here. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. I love the podcast. Oh, thank you. <laughs> she likes the podcast, everyone. I oh do. I listen. I listen to the podcast. It's so cool. <laughs> oh, man. Well, there is so much to talk about. So let's dive right into the story behind it, because I, I think what, what what really struck me was just like the concept for this, you know, this kind of like a comedy, a bit, uh, a bit of romance set in a movie theater of all things. But the thing is, I hear this is based on real life. Yes. So my first job right out of high school was working at a movie theater and I got really good at working at movie theaters and I got so good that I started, well, I ended up working at six different buildings. Wow. You must really <laughs> so love the job. I have, I have a lot of experiences and stories built up uh, and my sister, um, I brought her on, uh, partway through the beginning of season one to help co-write with me. And she, her first job was also working at a movie theater. So actually some of those stories come from her experiences too. So, oh, very cool. Yeah. Some of the stuff is just too crazy. You can't make up. Like you would never imagine it happening in real life, but. Yeah. I was curious about that because there's some pretty crazy stuff that happens in this series. And I know some of it is probably just for like dramatic effect into like advance a story, but how much of this is real? Well, okay, so it's based in a real theater that I used to work at, and a lot of the characters, I'd say the majority of the characters are based on real people that I worked with. Pretty much the only people who aren't based off of real people in, in my life are, like, the main characters, like Roscoe Violet, and, like, the main villains, uh, Maddox and Gabe, but everyone cool. else pretty much has a real-life real inspiration. There. Yeah, Maddox and Gabe. Jesus Christ, I hate those guys. I, I really hate I didn't, those guys. I didn't want to have to explain, oh, yeah, I based these characters off of you, you know? <laughs> Awkward. The villains, yeah, no. Before I'm like, hey, we weren't that bad to work yeah. with, were we? Yeah. <laughs> but What's funny is I'm still in contact with some of the people I used to work with, and they go, oh, yeah, I forgot that happened, or oh, my gosh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> can't believe that you know people are reacting this way to certain things but yeah and, and a lot of them still work at that theater too oh so. my god it's so cool because like because like um uh growing up i didn't work in the movie theater but i did work at like a mall a sears a mcdonald's so who had those kinds of jobs it's like yep this was me it's the the customer service jobs yeah exactly and exactly they bring out all sorts of characters in in the, the customers and the coworkers and yeah yeah all right the one character that i really want to ask about was uh drew who is like violet's <laughs> like kind of sort of best friend when they realize that they, that they both like the same show she based on a real person because she's weird but i like her okay yes she is based on a real person however <laughs> asterisk highly exaggerated <laughs> 
but she's actually based off of a manager that I trained. So I was a manager and this person was newly promoted. And when I first met her, she kind of had a prickly personality, personality, like really cold, just like hard to talk to. Anyway, and I'm spending a lot of time with her because I'm teaching her how to do this job. And then one day, Witcher 3, the, the video game, came up somehow and then I could not get her to shut up <laughs> like, she was such a big fan and I've never played the games or I'm you know I'm not familiar with The Witcher but I know the uh, background music I know all of the different storylines because I guess you could get different endings in the game and I know like where she was at in her little story map and <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but she ended up being a really good friend and someone I look forward to working with. But all it took was that one thing that she was super excited about to get her to really open up. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. We, I, and I think we've all had that friend, the person that, that we either bond with over whether it's a video game or a book or a movie series, whatever. Or they just happen to be diehard fans. We mention it one day in passing, and they just won't stop talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That's so cool. But it becomes endearing. Oh, every time. Every time. <laughs> so when you were first just, like, sort of conceiving the idea of doing this comic, um, were you, like, set about doing it based on, like, a real experience? Okay, so I actually started writing and making the first few episodes while I was still working at that theater. And I would tell coworkers of mine, like I would just sit back and watch everyone working the concession line. And I tell my friend, you know, if they ever decided to like make a reality TV show uh, on this workplace, like they would have so much material here, you know? And, and then it got me thinking about all of my other experiences and all the other theaters that I've worked at, you know, and it's, there's just something about the customer service area that just brings out just extreme personalities. And I, I thought that was interesting. I wanted to, you know, kind of document that. It, it's Enjoy the Show is semi-autobiographical. That's a word, right? Yeah, we'll go with that. But um, highly exaggerated, yes. But when I am drawing these scenes out, I'm replaying that memory that goes with it's it's kind of like a journal okay you know what i want to uh, reference a couple things because i want to know if it's totally real or really uh, exaggerated so okay the potentially haunted upper floors of the theater totally real well and i say haunted i don't i personally don't believe they're haunted but every single movie theater that i have worked at the upstairs projection booths are always haunted and it's just because it's dark and if, when you're a manager closing up, you're usually the only person up there and the machines are making scary noises and it's an old building and they don't take care of the upstairs as well as they do the downstairs where the guests are. But yeah, 100% true oh. on that one. Ugh. No, thank it's you very much. Haunted. Always haunted. No. And there's, there's always some sort of, someone has a ghost story interaction that they personally have. And it's like... Okay, uh, <laughs> it's an entertaining story. All right. Uh, the unbelievable grossness found by the cleanup crews after the movies are over. 100% true. 
Oh, geez, um, because... people, people are disgusting and they leave behind all sorts of things like uh, the pee cup. The pee cup was true. And I think the story behind that was they just they didn't want to miss any part of the movie. And so they went in a cup. Anyway, that was. Yeah. <laughs> I no longer wish As to Max finish. Flips into his <laughs> I no longer wish to finish my tea. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Put that down. Um, that one. That one was actually one of Aaron's experiences, though. So I personally didn't find the pickup. That was my sister. But um, in when I was working in Vegas, um, I found little baggies of cocaine every once in a while. I'm like, someone is really kicking themselves for leaving that behind. But um. I mean, they say that, you know, some movies you have to be high to enjoy them, but not literally. And, um, well, and we found people who were high as a kite just sleeping after the theater has closed down. Yeah, I've I've had a few instances where I had to have security come in and help me escort these people up because they just they won't wake up. <laughs> and, I, you know, I don't want them to, like, swing at me from trying to wake them up or yeah, anything. But yeah, exactly. you find all sorts of crazy stuff like poopy diapers and this is everything. Okay. Um uh the Renfair obsessed manager. He is a real person oh who still works at the theater and his name is Robbie. <laughs> he has fully given me permission to <laughs> insert him into the story like that. Very exaggerated, but um he does like to play Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, he does not moonlight at the Excalibur, uh, being the what is it, Tournament of Kings night. Mm-hmm. I I asked him if it was okay if we like gave his character some extra quirks, and he was all for it. He's like, yes, make him crazy, make him you know larger than life. And he he loves it. Definitely one of my favorite characters. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my god. All right. Well, th- this has been a very fun game of like true and false here. I don't want to yeah. proceed because I don't know what else we're going to uncover, but I want to yeah. talk more about the story. So, okay. The setting for this one is in Vegas. We have um, our main character Violet. She's trying to get away from her sleepy hometown life, find new adventures, excitement. Decides, okay, I'm going to work at the theater because it's what she can do. I'm curious about uh, uh, about the creation of the characters. As you mentioned, a lot of them are based on real people, but how do you go about making like the entirely fictional ones? Um, Violet is kind of a reflection on me. Like Violet, she's 21 and she is trying to you know, adjust to the mantle of adulthood and make it fit for her and she's kind of struggling with that at home cuz um her mother is a little overbearing. My mother was never, just my mother did not inspire any of this. Just want to put that, love you, mom. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it was a reflection of back when I was in college and I was feeling like, you kind of feel like an imposter. Like, I'm not an adult. I'm still a kid. I'm still, you know, but she moves out to Vegas uh, to gain her independence. And um, I think there's a lot of interesting uh, viewpoints around that situation. Um, Roscoe, I wanted a love interest for Violet, but I didn't want him to be like a coworker. And I was thinking, oh, the like as a manager, as or as a floor staff uh, in the theater, you get to know the security guards pretty well. Um, and so I was thinking that would be excellent because then she has. Uh, her time away 
uh, away from Roscoe, you know, for things to develop, oh, sorry. She has time to get away for things to develop uh, with the other characters and he has his own separate work schedule. And Maddox and Gabe, I was working with a lot of teenagers as a manager. And some of the stories of their, these kids' upbringings and stuff, it, like some of them grew up in really hard communities and the stuff that they've had to go through is awe-inspiring, you know, and, but they're, they're able to overcome that. But that, that's kind of where I got the start with Maddox and Gabe and their characters. Okay. Let's talk about Violet and her quest to find herself, you know, to sort of like enter the world of being an adult. Without giving away too many, too many spoilers, though, how does that go for her? Because it seems like she has this quest, but it's, but it's also like the hijinks of, of the, uh, the theater. Well, not only is she like trying to go out on her own away from her family, um, I think she's also experiencing a little bit of culture shock. Some of my readers are are like their own little Sherlock Holmes. Uh, the mom's the the mom's phone number is a two hundred eight area code, and that's Idaho. And so people are like, "Violet's from Idaho," and I'm like, "Wow, you guys caught that! Um, really great investigative skills right there." You know, yeah, seriously, um, impressive. But, but she is she is coming from Idaho and moving to Las Vegas, which is just mind-blowing if you've never spent a lot of time in a big city like that and and I guess that was also a reflection of me what so I moved down uh to Vegas with my husband when he got a new job and that was you know seeing casinos everywhere and just also Vegas is like this huge melting pot of different cultures and races and religions and all walks of life you know and and it's a lot to take. Vegas is very much in your face. <laughs> so, you don't say. <laughs> yeah. And so Violet, she doesn't have a lot of street smarts. She doesn't, you know, and I think moving to a new place like that by yourself, uh, you're going to learn a lot of hard lessons along the way. Mm-hmm. It also seems to me like she's really trying to prove herself. Like, like she she'll she'll, she'll take on on like any task that is given to her. She's like, no, I can do this thing. People will scoff at her and mock her. She's like, no, I can do this thing. She even goes into these supposedly haunted like upper floors. Like, no, I got this. No worries. Why is she so like dead set on showing everyone that yes, she can do the things? Well, not to get into too much spoilers, mm-hmm. but. She grew up in a household where she was not allowed to grow like that. She was very much protected, very much um, sheltered. And I think she wants to be an adult. She wants to prove herself. She's a big girl. She, she will go into her little chants every now and then. I'm a strong, independent woman. I can do this, you know, and yeah. So this is basically your first webcomic. You did a couple earlier back in high school. We don't talk about those. We don't talk about those. Exactly. Except we just did. We just I did. <laughs> People... They're there for someone on the internet to go find and haunt me with later. I will but... do that as soon as, soon as we're done. <laughs> Good um, luck. Right. No, they, I, I'm 
I'm not too ashamed of them or anything, but it's obviously like yeah. I mean, like like early know. works, they're never seen in a good light. I mean, exactly. I I can't tell you how many times I've had musicians on or writers who say, "Oh yeah, when I when I was ten, I recorded a song, I buried it in a hole and salted the earth. Yeah, you'll never see the light of day." But when it came to doing this one, I'm curious as to what sort of like inspired you to say, "Yes, I'm going to do this thing." Well, okay, so I've always been very interested in webcomics, like, back in, I was in school, I graduated 2007, so, like, 2005, I think, is when I first, like, got into the webcomic culture, um, and that inspired me to make my own comics then, and then I went through college, um, I got an art degree um, in illustration and uh, traditional drawing and painting, and and then, you know, life life put that on hold for a bit. I got married. I started my little family. Um, and then we moved to Vegas and I was working and my kids got to a point where they weren't, um, as dependent on me. Uh, you know, when you have little babies, it's like, you need constant care. They need constant attention, but where they could like maybe sit by themselves for a few hours and you not worry about them sticking their fingers in the electrical outlet. You know, I was like, I want to do something for me. I, I need that creative outlet in my life. And so, and I, and I've been thinking about this uh, story. I'm like, I'm going to do it. And so I did. <laughs> and here we are. And here, and we, here are. we are. Yeah. And, and I think it's almost been four years now that I've been working on this and I, I still can't believe that I'm, I'm still here, still working. I can because it's it's a very very organic story. The people, you know, of course we know now they are largely based on real people, but they are very very real. That's what really drew me into it was just the real story. I was like, yeah, what's next? What's next? What's next? Did you have any expectations? Because I, this thing obviously has a really large like fan base. You got a lot of followers, a lot of fans. Did you see that one coming? No. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'm again. It was mostly for me. Uh, at the beginning. And I'm still amazed to this day that there are people who follow it every week and, and they have timers on their phone, like, Oh God, the next episode of enjoy the shows up. I gotta go. I gotta go get, be the first comment, you know? And, um, it really means a lot to me that people are enjoying the show. Sorry, pun, but <laughs> pun intended, but, um, oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> But it's it's very humbling too that um, they're enjoying basically uh, a huge chapter in my life where I was I was working at movie theaters. Mm -hmm. You know, given the very personal nature of the story, did you ever kind of hesitate on certain scenes? Like, hmm, do I really want to put this out there or that out there? Um, there are I have okay I have a ton of stories. There are a lot of stories that will not make it into the comic Ooh. um there are some very personal uh things that happen to not me and i i don't feel like i don't know should exploit that for <laughs> you know for my story so there's some touchy subjects like that um there's some subjects that are just too gross or too graphic <laughs> to fit in and <laughs> keeping in mind story. we've already talked about the pea cup so there yeah it's worse the, than the that cup is about as as graphic as i'm gonna get no there's i could curl your hair on some stories yeah 
<laughs> that's for the uh the second season right <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know like tapas is for everyone of course so you always like okay this one's not for the kids right yeah <laughs> oh man oh man Let's talk about the work, of course. This is a lot of work. You, As you mentioned, your sister has also come in to help with the writing process, too. Um, but mm-hmm. how long does it take to make an episode? Because these are not short. These are pretty damn long. Yeah. Um, so for me, it takes about a week, sometimes more, depending on the episode and how complicated it is, how many characters are in each panel, you know, but roughly a week. <clears throat> and it is it is a lot of work. and. I have a coloring assistant um, and, and an animator too. That was that was another thing moving to Tapas is I was able to animate some of the scenes. But um, I have a team now and that's crazy that I was doing this all solo not too long, just a few years ago, you mm-hmm. know? So, but it's been, it's been an honor and a privilege to work with uh, my assistants. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, because really, the team is really what what uh, makes it work. Like, you can do the whole thing yourself, certainly, but, you know, you run the risk of, like, burning out. How has a team changed the overall flow of the, of the, uh, the process? So I will sketch an episode, I will ink it, and then I will send it off to my colorists to do the characters. They don't do the backgrounds, but they'll do all of the characters, and then they'll send it back to me for further rendering. And... um the process is so much smoother. And I have two, I have two colorists. So while one is coloring one file, I'll send the other one another file. And you know, we're getting work done like three times as fast. It's amazing. Hmm. All right. Let's give them a shout out. My coloring assistants are Geyer to you and Princess Cutie Bye. And my animator is Shade Roz. And she's been one of my creator friends from the very beginning. And I love her. They deserve a shout out. Absolutely, absolutely. And your sister, as you mentioned, has a co-written some episodes. What's it like doing uh, doing this with another writer? Okay, well, so I was an art major in college. My sister was an English major in creative writing. So I think it was just like foreordained that this partnership was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, um, oh, how did it start? I was in the process of writing the script. And I was asking her for her advice, like, would you mind reading it over? Like, what do you think? Is this a good story? Should I even bother with it? Um, And so she was kind of my proofreader for the first few episodes. But then I ended up keep coming back to her for help. Like, I kept nagging her so much. So I was like, might as well just hop on, hop on board and just help me write this thing. And she did. And um I, I feel very fortunate uh, to be able to work with my sister like that because I, I've i talked to a lot of creative teams who don't have that bond. Like, I think being sisters, we can get away with a lot of cattiness or, you know, like we're, we're always going to love each other. And, and we're, we're not afraid to be completely honest or to bring up some wild idea out of left field, you know and not have the fear of it being rejected or, you know, we have, we have a good partnership where we can go back and forth and meet in the middle. Um, but that's, that's not always the case with uh, creative teams and, and finding someone that you have that amount of trust with. Cause in the end, if, if I want the story to go one way and she wants the story to go the other way, like we know that each other, we want, what's best for the story 
you know, and, and I have, I have lost on a few plot points, <laughs> but, but she has a way with, uh, with the storytelling. She's always had a way with storytelling and, and her sense of humor. Um, a lot of the one-liners are, are her, her conception. Ooh, cool. 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 Now, does she still write with you? Yes. Oh, cool. Nice. So, yeah. so like permanent uh, part of the team now, huh? Yeah. Oh yeah. 100%. I'm not letting her go. <laughs> she can't outrun me. I know where she lives. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a tricky teamwork no, dynamic, no, but okay. No, 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 no. It's, it works. It works. I will fight for it. I don't care. <laughs> I like it. No, she, I like it. She's a good sport. Now, we mentioned earlier about the fan base. Again, very vocal, very passionate. How are you reading comments, though? Because I know sometimes it can be a little cringy, like, okay, what do they say about, about me this week? I've been very fortunate. Like, I, everyone has negative comments every once in a while. And you you can't, you just have to deal with it, whatever. I've been very fortunate to have very supportive readers. And, and I have way more positive comments than I do the negative ones, you know. Um, it's just... When, when you read those negative comments, you have to remember, you don't know if it's some snot-nosed 12-year-old who doesn't know what they're talking about, or you don't know who is on the other end or what their motivation behind that. Like, you've got to take it with a grain of salt. Like, mm-hmm. like okay. Have you ever gotten, gotten a comment that was like a suggestion and thought, huh, that's a really good idea, actually. I should probably uh, do that. <laughs> so when, when we first... Uh, we're posting it. There was a lot of speculation on Roscoe's hair because he wears this cap. Yeah, yeah. Like, because it's part of his uniform. Mm-hmm. And and I wasn't thinking, like, yeah, we were going to do a hair reveal later on in the story, like, of course, but it, it kept the hat got so much hate in this comments. You know? And so we, originally we made it, we, we drew it out and made it a big dramatic moment, this hat flying off, you know, and like the readers can affect it in that way. And that's, that's one good thing about uh, web comic making and posting in episodes is you're able to get the reaction from the readers. And, and if you want, you can adjust along the way and they're never going to know, but, um, but yeah, in, in that way, it, it really did affect the story because we're, we're like, make it a big deal. Make it, milk it for everything that it's worth. His hair. The hat got so much hate. A sentence I never thought I would ever hear in this lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think um, with my characters, they're all in uniforms. Mm. And, and something that I realize now is people use characters' outfits to determine, like, oh, that person's personality is a little edgy or they're preppy or, you know, but where everyone's wearing the same uniform, you kind of got to rely on the hair and Roscoe's hair was covered. <laughs> so it was, it was just a big mystery. Yeah. Like we, you, you're not able to see as much into that character when you have uniforms. This really, so, this noted. really explains like the villain's hair because you got the one guy, he's got the faux hawk or whatever you call it. The other guy's is very like peroxide, like bottle blonde look to him. Yeah. But what's funny about the haircuts is that those, I'll, I get some grief in the comments. Um, most of the male characters have undercuts. Mm. Um, and I did that without like just subconsciously, but I based the haircuts 
on hairstyles that I would see in Vegas. And that was the most popular, like that really short up to here. And then just like all sorts of whatever on top, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's just based on my own observations from real life. Sounds like you spent a lot of time with designing like the characters hairstyles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with Maddox, um, I, so I'm in the middle of redoing the old episodes mm. now that um, I've signed on with Tapas um, and I have this opportunity to go back with the team and redraw it the way that it was supposed to be <laughs> in my head, you know, um, in the first few episodes, he actually, the, the little, the side fringe is like eyebrow level and then it just progressively gets longer and longer like just <laughs> I needed something I needed more moodiness to play with and the, the hair was the best way to do that because I couldn't do it with clothes uh yep 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 all right let's talk about the relaunch because of course I know that this was a big thing I actually read like the original story and then I saw oh did you really yeah yeah and then, and then like one day I go to like check it out and I, and I say huh, I, I can't go for it anymore. What the heck's going on here? There was, oh, it, it's like restarted. Now I know what's going on. What led to this and what new avenues did you get a chance to to uh, to go down? Okay. So when I got my art degree in college, it was in traditional drawing and painting. I had not touched digital drawing at all until that first episode of Enjoy the Show. And Yes, I have some drawing capabilities, but when you're trying to go from traditional to digital, there's kind of a learning curve. Um, for instance, um, going back through the old episodes, I didn't know what um, pen stabilization was or um, the add flow feature was nice. It was nice when I figured that one out. You know, like I, I self-taught myself along the way. And with the old version, you can see that uh, transformation over time, but it's not consistent, you know? And and I was still trying to find a style. And when Tapas came along and offered to sponsor the redraw, I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Because like we were saying before, you look back at your old stuff and it's just cringe city and you, you just can't look at it. Um, and I was like, please let me redo the old episodes so that, you know, this, the story can look the way that I want it to look anyway. But so that's, that's what I am working with now. And I'm also able to add in the animations and um, I'm working on adding music and all sorts of fun bells and whistles that go with it. Hmm. And thank goodness for Tapas. Like, Thank you, Tapas, for giving me this opportunity because this is a dream come true. This is my dream job. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one thing that I was really curious about, um, and this is a more of like a technical question, but you had your um, original series on Tapas, and then you had the new version. What changed with your relationship with Tapas that you were able to like relaunch the series? Um, so I am part of their first class of Tapas original creators. And it basically means we're exclusive to uh, the platform and we are given a lot of like, I've never had a PR person. I've never had an editor. I've never had, you know, I'm working with professionals in the field now 
and that just means so much to me that they they saw the old cringy art and they saw the potential in the story <laughs> and and I know they've got my back so there it is but yeah tapas originals it's um it's a new program where you're able to uh you can still read it for free uh if you're patient enough but uh they have they have a new reading program that's really nice over there and i am not patient enough yeah (laughs) (laughs) this series and also um i'm moving in the episodes are brief so it's like no i gotta know more it's like Man, they're good they're at this. Snack size, bite size stories, exactly. right? Exactly. It's like, <laughs> damn, they're good Tapas at this. Tapas' t- tagline there, yeah. Yeah, definitely. How did you first bite-sized become stories. aware of Tapas? Well, I've always been obsessed with web comics, and I've, oh man, I've downloaded so many. There's a ton of different um, web comic hosting sites and stuff. Um, Tapas was one that I found right away, and I actually, like, I didn't delete it from my phone. So, <laughs> so that says, that says a lot right there. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I started publishing there cause, uh, it's free and more eyes on your work, the better. And, uh, I met a lot of cool people through Tapas. This is probably, I think the, the most like divisive question I'm going to ask in this interview, favorite comics on Tapas. Oh, let me pull up my subscription list here. It's like, it's like, it's like picking oh, out your favorite kid. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, Lucid Memories mm. is a good one. Um, he Can't Be This Dumb is a really good one. Uh, Rotation. Oh, my gosh. But, but it's got an eight in there instead of the A. Um, they also incorporate uh, animations into there and the way that they've used it i'm obsessed with love the animations and it's it's beautiful colors and everything um kaleidoscope oh man i have like this whole list iris complex villains villains Mm. is a good one on tapas tomahawk angel oh my gosh the line work is beautiful on that one um breaststroke uh, Jewel of the Sea, if you like mermaids, Jewel of the Sea. Uh, the Witch's Throne. Like, I can just keep going all day. Like, they have so many. And it, the, the thing I love about Tapas is it's not only comics, it's novels, too. So writers can go and post their own chapters or their own episodes. And it's fun to go through and just sit and read, you know? Definitely. Do you ever get ideas from other comic creators, whether it's like, you know, coloring or like animation work, things like that? Oh, yeah. Going from traditional art to digital. One thing I struggled with was color theory, because like with traditional drawing and painting, like I know you can mix yellow ochre with cadmium red and get this color, you know, like it's predetermined colors that that I'm, I was familiar with the mixing. And then you come to digital and it's like literally any color ever made, ever. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of it doesn't translate as well on a screen. And, and when you're looking at on a computer screen versus your phone screen, like the colors change and it is so frustrating. That was something that was hard for me to comprehend is it's gonna look different no matter where you view it. But yeah, I, I look up to a lot of, 
comics. Oh, let's see. Witch's Throne had beautiful colors. Yeah, Witch's Throne, Rotation, um, Animal Heads, beautiful color theory. Oh, and Lucid Memories. Oh, the coloring on that is just gorgeous. Yeah, sorry. I'm I'm like in fangirl mode over yeah, here. Like I could yeah. just I could talk I could talk forever well, on these. It sounds to me like one of like the real benefits for you too with joining Tapas is that you get to be part of this community and also like learn from each other too. I love talking uh, and, and making friends with other creators because one, like I did, I basically self-taught myself the digital aspect of it. And there are such nice people online that are more than happy to share. Like, this is how I do my style. This is, you know, and uh the camaraderie and the friendships you know some of the best some of my best friends are online that i've never met you know (laughs) these other creators who are in the same boat as you and they're your best cheerleaders Mm -hmm. and especially because writing can be such an isolating experience like you like lock yourself in your room or or, or, uh, your studio and you spend like you know hours a day working on this thing that you have this community is such a wonderful experience for you and the internet can be a beautiful, beautiful place. It can be a scary place, but there are a lot of neat, uh, neat people online. Mm-hmm. Have you had the chance to meet your fans in person? Um, a few. Um, I think twice now I've been recognized out in public, which <laughs> that was a shocker to me. Um, but yeah, I've I've been to conventions and uh it's it's always fun to run into people that i talk to online or or fans of the comic and but yeah getting getting recognized that was that was a first like i think last year last summer i was just out of this world experience like oh people actually look at stuff that i post on instagram and <laughs> oh my god no it's it, it's such a cool experience uh, when people say like oh aren't you so and so from so and so like I, yeah. I am. What are some of the Comic Cons that you had the chance to go to as an artist? I went to, before the pandemic, <laughs> I was able to attend LA Comic Con uh, out in California, which was a big one. And that was, that was actually my first Comic Con was before the pandemic. And then the pandemic hit and then there was no happiness for anyone for <laughs> for a while um i'm actually going to table for the first time at fanex in salt lake city so in september though like i got time to prepare but i'm really excited and really nervous like i feel like i want to jump up and down but throw up at the same time you know <laughs> so it'll be a neat experience that i'm i'm looking forward to I love going to Comic Cons. Um, so I am up in like a Northeast New England. So okay. for me, it is uh, the Rhode Island Comic Con. I love that one. Been been going that one for years. Um, I've gone to PAX once. I've gone to uh, the Grand State Comic Con up in New Hampshire a few times. That's a really cool one. I've been to Boston Comic Con once. So it's such a great experience to just be in the community. You know, to see your fellow nerds, whether they're cosplaying or they're uh, promoting their first book or their comic or what have you. It's such a cool thing to, to, to just drink it all in. Catching other people's references, like in their cosplay. Like if they have some obscure cosplay and you're like, oh my gosh, you're that character from that show that I love. And they're like, thank you. Yes. <laughs> like instant best friends. It's like a Violet and Drusilla moment and like that. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, 
I don't usually go for like the big name stars. Sometimes yes, sometimes yes. But for the most part, I'm there to see the creators. I'm there to see the person mm-hmm. putting out their book or putting out their comic because I just think it's a really cool way to just absorb a lot of cool new works. And that for me is like is like the best part about it. So as I mentioned at, at the outset, you do a large portion, but you also run the social media pages. You've got like merch out for this thing. What was the mm-hmm. hardest part when you were taking on all these different things? Uh, time management. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, realizing that I'm only human. I, well, I think on top of that, too, I've, I'm a stay-at-home mom. And my kids, like, they're older. They're 10 and 8. Um, so they're more independent. You know, they don't need me every second of the day. But you know, stuff still comes up. <laughs> you know. But, yeah, it's it's a lot to juggle. And that has been my biggest learning things that I need to improve on uh, since joining Tapas um, is there's a lot that goes into this. And I, I don't think a lot of the readers understand that there is so much more than just drawing that goes into the production of something like this. And and you you get those comments <laughs> that, that let you know when, <laughs> when they're impatient, but it's like, I, I can only handle so much. Exactly. I mean, like you are basically running a business. Yep. What do you think is the best way to achieve that like work-life balance though, that you don't like just burn out one day? Uh, well, the, the good thing about uh, webcomic creating for me is I'm able to do it at home. Um, so I really can step away from it whenever needed. Um, I do have to get used to drawing in short bursts. You know, I can't, I can't have those long uninterrupted work hours. You know, I have to adapt pretty much every day, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been good for me, especially during um, the COVID pandemic and, and just being able to stay home with my kids. And it's, it's been a good experience working from home. Definitely. What is next for you? Can we get any hints as to what's down the road for the series? Oh, here's the thing. There's okay. So a lot of my readers have already read season one, right? Yep. But I also have a lot of new readers who have no idea (laughs) what's coming for the season finale of season one. So I'm trying to be good and not, not spoil too much. Um, I will say season two, we're going to meet Violet's mom. And that, and I think even the new readers will understand what a big impact that's going to have on the story already. Because she's, even though you don't see her, she's pretty pervasive throughout. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. All like, like yeah. <laughs> there are scenes where she's like, ignoring her mom's calls. Clearly, there's issues there. Clearly. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I like this. I like this. Yeah. Um, so we're just, we're going to turn up the, the drama llama a little bit ooh, in season two. Oh. So. <laughs> so, the drama llama. Dr- drama in full effect. I love it. I yes. love it. Do you think you have another webcomic in you? Or do you think this is maybe just a one-off? Okay, so before we signed with Tapas, we were working on a few other ideas. <laughs> so we actually, we have like maybe three stories that we could pick up tomorrow if if needed. But that'll have to wait. I will finish. Enjoy the show. Like I don't. I don't want my readers to like yeah, <laughs> get no. scared or anything. Enjoy the show. We'll be finished. Yeah. Season two will come out 
eventually. <laughs> well, I think uh, that also kind of goes back to the work-life balance. Like you're talking to say, okay, we're going to launch a new comic uh, next week, but then yeah. how do you do the first? I would comic? love, I would love to be able to do two comics at once, but my sanity would go right out the window. Oh, yeah. yeah, and like you got to carry yourself. Like I know the fans mm-hmm. would ask for this, but it's like no, I have a life. I have you know kids to raise. I have my sanity to protect. You know. Is it tempting though just to be like, screw it, I'm just gonna like dive all in, do like another webcomic, another webcomic? Oh, it's very tempting. <laughs> very tempting. But yeah, you gotta worry about burnout. And recently I've discovered I need to rest up my hand more. I, I've started experiencing some crampings for the first time in four years, you know, but it, it's because I'm on I'm on deadlines now, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, readers just need to be kind to their creators. <laughs> A little, a little understanding goes a long way. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, folks, be nice. They are not machines. Let them have their days off. Amen. Preach. Is there a possibility of a print release? Originally, when I started making it, I did not have any intention whatsoever to see it in book form. Now that I've signed on with Tapas, that is actually a possibility. And I'm excited about, you know, the prospects, but it's going to have to be further down along the line, at least until I finish season one, at least. Yeah, I think. exactly. Well, you know but what? It, it, those will come if they come when they should come. <laughs> when it happens, I'll take eight. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just, just like, just like line my shelf with them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah Bless you. Damn. No, I, I, I will let you know. You'll be the first person to know. Okay? Woot! All right. All right. All right. <laughs> well, Jenna, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, this has been a true pleasure. Of course, I'm loving the comic, folks. If you don't know, get out of the Tapas app. It's totally free. You pay zero cash. You can get access to hundreds of really cool comics. Get, like, advanced issues. You can, like, read them ahead of time. And there's so much. There's romance. There's comedy. There's action. Wherever you want, you'll find it there. New episodes to come. And I cannot wait. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Jenna, thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, this is singer-songwriter and mental health advocate Stephanie Mathias. Be sure to check out my single Hero Side, available on all platforms now. And listen to Citywide Blackout, your home for the best indie artists. Okay, everyone. That brings this episode to a close. Big thanks to Jenna for joining me. And if you're not already doing it, Definitely read, enjoy the show. You're going to love it. You can follow the show on Facebook under Citywide Blackout and Twitter and Instagram under Citywide Max. Get at me at citywidemax at yahoo.com and check out the show wherever you find podcasts, as well as every Saturday at 10 p.m. on Boston Free Radio. As always, keep those ears open.